It's like wrangling a fucking child, Tim. Which you know all about. I do, because of this show. <laughs> Hello, hello, and welcome to this, the latest edition of the Ian Prendercast, another Carlton podcast brought to you regrettably by the people at MGA and 121 Media. My name is Sean Peterbudge, and we're here to d- discuss a win. Who saw that coming halfway through the third quarter? I'll tell you what, it looked very unlikely. It looked like it was going to be another Arsenal fan TV job. Um, but we like discussing wins, contrary to popular belief. Whilst negative, we are always happy to win. Uh, Timbo? You joined us as per. How are you going? Yeah, I, I, as you sort of say, I thought the afternoon was going to play out a whole lot differently. It was it was certainly ugly early, and uh, yeah, I thought it was going to be a bit of a sombre mood coming into here, but um, quite buoyant now that um, we found a way. But I think uh, I think a theme of the uh, the podcast will probably be that we haven't beaten a lot, but um, you know, in the stretch. Towards the end of the season, you know, we're we're on that knife edge of do we win, do we not win, what do we salvage out of this train wreck of a season? But you know, any time you beat Collingwood can't be a bad thing. That is the bottom line. Um, I think every time you get a win over that black and white filth, you don't want to turn your nose up up at it. But we will discuss the pros and the cons out of um, both the performance and probably more pertinently the result. We've been big fab. We are joined by Faber Ganoush. We've been able to get him, Timbo before he's committed to a rival podcast, which was a coup on our part. I would have thought that we'd be the priority, but unfortunately things seem to have changed ever since the club of Ganoush. The helium's gone to his head, but he is here. How are you going, you big idiot? What I said at Agatsi, you're a fucking idiot, mate. You don't. You make no sense. It's like you're a week behind in your own head. What rival podcast am I preparing for? Oh, so last week you didn't accept an invitation to appear on another podcast before you committed to doing this show. You didn't get it then, you're not getting it now. But anyway. Timbo, Tim, I'm going to call on you again. You were a bit lukewarm last week. We got the message from Fab saying he couldn't do the show on the Monday. Why couldn't he do the show on the Monday, Tim? Well, he was just going to do something else, but that was last week, I thought. I'm just saying, that's why I'm happy that this week we've been able to get him before he's committed to doing another show. This is true. This is true. So I thought, geez, we've got to get in pretty quick here to make sure we get him on board, because if we don't, he'll go and do someone else's show. Like I said, I think Clubber Ganoush might have have just gone to your head a little bit. Not at all. I don't know about that. I've been wanting you to take on that role, Fab. I've been wanting you, I've been begging you for 18 months to take on this role. To become, what, what? to manifest destiny on Twitter and become you know, the godfather of Carlton. And you've, you've shied away from doing it for quite a long time, I think it's fair to say. I like to let things um, evolve naturally, Sean. I don't like to, I don't force things. This is a bit like Aragorn in Lord of the Rings where he didn't want to be the King of Gondor because Never you know, seen the, it. the burden, but then, you know, slowly over the course of the films, he's realised that it is his destiny. He's realised... That it's up to him. Sean, I am who I am. And if the people like it, then the people like it. I recognised it some time ago in you, and I just wanted to, to, to bring it out in you. Maybe I'm Gandalf. How are you feeling, Sean? I'm feeling good. Why well, wouldn't I you be kicked, you, good. you kicked a good goal in the, uh, what was it, the third quarter? Mm-hmm. But um, unfortunately, you come up a bit short. 
This is the fab still going on about this steel side one and things. I've got a shaved head and a beard. I don't look really anything like steel oh, apart from I, that. Oh, did Timbo? We don't even have the same uh, vague facial structure. <laughs> I get where it comes from because I have a beard and a shaved head. I'm fully cognizant, but that's... Yeah, but it's not like you have Middle Eastern appearance. You're an Aussie with a shaved head and a beard. Kelly's saying third quarter's premiership quarter behind the door. She's not, she's not wrong. <laughs> Why don't you come in and say hello, Kelly? It's pointless because we don't have her. We we're not recording the audio. Anyway, what we want to do is we want to get onto the show itself. Um, well, now... I tried to rile Fab up. He's not really given us much. He's obviously put out by having to actually, you know, record with his fellow showmates and 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 be proactive Sean, you've like been that. Angry, you've been angry all week now. Angry all of a sudden, you. you want to be jovial. I've been angry at you because you betrayed us last week, Benedict Arnold. <laughs> I still brought the gold. You can never ever call Timbo Terry or Benedict or Eggs. You can never do it ever again because Timbo Spe- is never. Move on, Spectre. Sunk to the to the depths that you did last week. If only the listeners knew what a turncoat you the, are. The listeners, the listeners, <laughs> lovers. <laughs> if only they knew who you really were. Man, I'm half asleep doing this thing. That game was absolutely atrocious. So that's a beautiful Sorry. segue. You've managed to actually pull out some some interesting content for once. To the people having a crack at the negativity on Twitter, please. We were awful. We were absolutely putrid uh, and a hard-fought come-from-behind uh, come win against the worst Collingwood side in a generation doesn't change how we played the majority of today's game. Yeah. A win over them, like a five-goal win, which is what we had in the end, is the minimum expectation against that Collingwood team. That we made such heavy weather of it. We're going to go into it on the show. But that we were made to slog and sweat for it, Tim, that's worthy of criticism. We were horrendous for too long today. And, and look, I, I agree 100%, but I guess, you know, the cup half full person in me turns around and says, okay, well, it is what it is. You know, we, 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 found, we found enough pressure to be able to make them question the decisions and their own ball movement, and we started picking them off through the corridor. And, and once we got the momentum and open space, we were able to move the ball fast, which clearly that's been the... The Tiggy mantra the whole way through has always been about fast footy. We, we ended up through the pressure we could put on them. We got to play the way that we wanted to, and we got to score quickly, which is nice. But there aren't many teams that are going to allow us to be able to play like that. Geelong absolutely um, ensured that they throttled us the previous week. Um, so the challenge is how do you take that style of footy for 40 minutes and make sure that you parlay that into our next three weeks, our next five weeks, whatever it happens to be, how do you finish the season capturing, you know, the essence of our best footy and, and being able to play it more often than not? So that, that's the challenge for the coaching staff. So my question for you, Fab, flowing on from that, is that we are not a mature team. We probably should be more mature than we are, but we are certainly not a confident team. And a confident team would have killed the, the magpies off like we did late, would have killed them off early. Absolutely. And it showed when we did get confidence and theirs dropped away late, how easy it was for us to run over the top of them. They, were, they, they are a team that... I, rem- I remarked to Kelly, I said, if we were playing anybody else today, we'd be down. This is when they were still up by two goals. I said, we'd be down by at least 10 goals. And then I looked at her and said, conversely, if you weren't playing us, 
you'd be getting smacked by 10 goals because... They were jelly-legged when they had the lead. Yeah. They were sort of a bit like, I'm not even quite... How how are we in this position? Uh, Okay. And rather than look at us as the vulnerable... You know, it's the classic... um, Which one was it, Tim? Was it Rumble in the Jungle or when the... uh, the other guy didn't know how close Muhammad Ali was to throwing in the towel. Well, Foreman, Foreman had punched himself out, so, um, yeah. So but we- that attitude of, they actually probably didn't have <laughs> the full awareness of, these guys, are they are real close to being cooked. We're a goal away. Yeah. And if yes. we get the goal, I'm, they should have been prepared to risk us kicking a goal to kick the goal that finishes us. Yeah, and they, and they just don't have that class, do they? That's that's ultimately sort of what you learn through a day like that is, um, you know, they, they were able to manufacture goals here and there, cobble stuff together. They weren't super impressive. Um, and, uh, and and their ability to kick a winning score, I think, has always been the massive question mark. So we were always going to be in it. It was just, did we have the, the structure, the opportunity? Would we take it? Could we... Could we do the same thing the other way to be able to find a way to get, you know, scoreboard pressure on. And as soon as it came, as you said, they just they just crumbled. But as you say, you know, we, we, we might have been hanging on ourselves. So that gets us to this week's... He's going to like this, Fab. I think you're going to like this. The 121 Media Big Question. I like it. Better change in sponsorship. Think, like the Manchester think. United shirt, uh, Timbo. Better change in sponsor. <laughs> COVID's hit us hard. COVID's hit us hard. We've had to realign the business model. 120, 121 have slipped in, a bit like Great Southern Bank. They've slipped in and thought, you know, that other mob, um, they're having some liquidity issues. We're going we're gonna to get rid of them. Um, we'll get the new boys in. And, and, you know, they're a great partner of the show, and I'm, I'm really wrapped to have them on board. They. I love how you use the word they. Well, they are. Now, they. we want to relay this back. And, and this is a conversation about David Teague. And, and this week's big question is sort of pertinent given the majority of what we sat through this afternoon, the winner side. We're going to go back to uh, Monday morning's uh, European final, Fabian, um, which was won... Well, let's, let's, Sean. Which was won by a pack of dirty cheats. Now, Gareth Southgate, it's fair to say he's done a great job. He's managed England now. They've, they've made the semi-finals of a World Cup. They've made the final of a European Championship. That's their, their best result, uh, obviously, in a European Championship ever. It was their best result at a World Cup um, for 28 years. So he is doing a lot of stuff right. He has certainly um, taken that team to heights they couldn't have possibly imagined. However, in the semi-final against Denmark and in the final against Italy, when push came to shove, he revealed himself to be a product of his environment and his experiences as a player. Now, this is all with regard to, to David Teague. I'm using this as a, as a long bow, admittedly. But, I thought I was on the uh, Five Live Football Daily for a second. But... <laughs> During those two games at the pointy end of a major tournament, he was presented with situations to be bold and to be adventurous in the pursuit of success. He had the players at his disposal and in reserve on the bench to make a difference. However, his experience and his environment for large portions of his career has been survival. It hasn't been success. It's been prioritising the former, not the latter. He values diligence, he values hard work, he doesn't value creativity. He marginalised dynamic and exciting players. David Teague was a really hard, honest player, but his experiences, like Gareth Southgate, are that of a guy who played in battling, inconsistent teams, always sort of looking behind their shoulders, oh, how far away is danger, and always relying on star individuals. 
you contrast that, Fabian, with Roberto Mancini. Roberto Mancini's not of that. He's not of that experience. No. So oh, he, he, was, he was hardly from a. He played in good teams. He played in, in successful good teams. teams. He and achieved some success as a, a club level. Um, it's not like he was. Uh, what do they call it? A, a serial winner, but um, yeah, he 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 had periods of his career where he was successful. So it wasn't. It's not uncommon to him. And as a manager, he's achieved the same thing. And I, I am just convinced the more we are exposed to it, the minute we allow ourselves to want for better, a better quality coach, to get in a better quality leader, it'll be a Wizard of Oz moment for us. There's so much low-hanging fruit for us, and we're going to speak about some structural stuff later, that we just pluck and pick and immediately get 5% better, another 5%, another 5%. Because we just do so much that should be easy, that they should be seeing, that they can't, won't, can't fix, don't know how to fix, don't know how to identify. Do you feel as though the problem with David Teague, Fab, is that he's just a product of the career he had as a player? Why should we expect anything different from him as a coach? Look, potentially there's some sort of connection that can be drawn. I feel there's always that that adage that, you know, your back pockets and, and your, your players that had to grind out careers make good manage or make good coaches, especially in the AFL. But it's typically, if you look at, you know, players like Malthouse and Sheedy and stuff, yeah, they weren't, you know, all-time great players and they did have to work and they are that, you know, rough, rugged, you know, back pocket type player. However, they were that type of player in good, successful teams. So a successful environment isn't uncommon to them. Whereas David Teague... He missed the North Melbourne glory. He, he, he was at Carlton at the, you know, one of the worst periods in our history. So, look, th- there's a connection that can be drawn to it that maybe he just he doesn't know what a winning environment requires. But you say that, wasn't he at Adelaide when they were up and about and West Coast when they were up and about? Wasn't the main man. No, you're not the main man, but surely you'd be able to get a sense of what it takes. I think when you, I think when you sit in the main chair, you, if you are off, if you are that way inclined, you revert to type. You revert to type because it's on you. If something goes wrong, or if it doesn't come to fruition, if it doesn't, you don't stick the landing. You're not the guy in the background who sort of went, "I can afford to be bold," because ultimately, if the coach doesn't listen to what I have to say, it doesn't really matter. But if I'm the coach and it doesn't work. I'm the one in the gun. What are your thoughts, Timbo? Yeah, look, it, it's funny. I'm not a, um, I'm not an AFL senior coach, but even in my own footy, when oh, I'm coaching no. Beverly Hills, oh, but, dear. But, but, oh. as soon as he said oh. I'm not an AFL coach, I'm thinking he's going to draw a parallel. He's going to draw his, a parallel, isn't he? He's going to Beverly be, Hills. He's but, be, but you watch footy and you have expectations, and depending on whether those expectations are met, you you seek to do something different, either positive or negative. The way that you see it, whether and it doesn't mean that every coach's view of footy is right. It's just this is what I want my guys to do. They either do it and it works. Sometimes they don't do it and it works anyway. But if if you're needing to change something, it's because they're not meeting your expectations. And and, and I think as you sort of say, if, if the DNA of what you are is not going to see you successful at the level, 
then it needs to be questioned. And, 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 and as you say, there will never be any lack of effort from David Teague. Sometimes there's a lack of emotion when you see the cutaway to the, uh, the coach's box. But, you know, I, I also don't necessarily want my coach having an absolute bloody panic attack up in a coach's box either. But I think across time, you, you're just sitting there and you're going, am I seeing this guy really encapsulating a style of football that we want our blokes playing? Um, probably not. Um, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think it's just, it's that watch this space where you go, you can't be, you can't let emotion govern, you know, we've had a win today against Collingwood, you know, which we haven't done for several years, since 2017. I think we've beaten Collingwood. So those wins that we so prize have been so few and far between, the ones we covet more than any, we can't be overly emotional about the fact that today we managed to beat them because we should. That's, that's like I said at the top, that's the expectation. This Collingwood team should be beaten by this Carlton team. We should have beaten them in round two, but we shat the bed. So we turn up today, we're in all sorts. We managed to rally, which is great, and win the game, which is great, but that doesn't excuse the negatives. There are lots of positives, which we're going to talk about, but there's so much, so many room for improvement elements that we're going to get through. Um, obviously, the and, that, and that's good. That's good in itself. I mean, I'd prefer there to be no room for improvement areas and just be all positive, but... Um, we went 20 goals to zero every yep. single week. <laughs> Absolutely. I'd, I'd prefer us to be able to record this show in five minutes by just going, everything was great again. <laughs> 20 20 goals, goals, is everything it. is awesome. 20 goals to zero. We did it again for an eighth week in a row. Our percentage <laughs> is 5,000. Just, just when Tim said 20 goals to zero, Alexander turned to Kelly with about five minutes to go in the last quarter and goes, Mum, if we kick 100 goals, we can still win this. That's correct. What's, I love what's the this, kids sorry, what's this we bullshit? Yes, Sean, you know, the listeners know, there's nothing to out, there's nothing to... You've lost him, haven't you? No, look, you let your kids no, you find don't. their own way. No, you don't. But does does today help? At you know, he's obviously still. Well, a, he gave me a high five age. after the game. Good. He gave me a high five after the game because Harvey. No, 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 no high five. Jumped, jumped on Facetime with his non to No high fives. Celebrate the win. That little so, punk hasn't won anything. He can't straddle <laughs> both lines, both sides of the fence, and just decide. You know what? That navy oh, we'll, blue have we'll have him if, if he ends up on our side of the fence eventually. Look, he, he's, he's a he's a paid up member, and um, and I'll keep it up for ten years, and I still think he'll we'll get him back one day. That's just not good. good enough. That's completely unacceptable. He's on a different journey. Sure, that's right. This is a disgrace. He's on the AFL fan equivalent of like a walkabout, is he? <laughs> just sort of trying everything. He's out in the wilderness. He's going to be everyone's fan for a little while before coming home. I'll, I'll never forget this. I'll let him know. <laughs> Uncle Sean has a long memory. <laughs> and he can forgets. hold a grudge. I we can. know this. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Fabian, obviously the one of the biggest, if not the biggest talking point to come out of the club this weekend was the very sad passing of uh, Sergio Silvani, which um, I think for a lot of people, even though he was 83, came as a bit of a shock on, yep. on the morning of the, the Thursday. You sort of went... Oh wow! You know, it, it obviously comes out in the aftermath that um, he'd had some some health battles, which he's obviously um, been kept under wraps, which is totally understandable. So understandable. that that makes mm-hmm. it you sort of go, oh wow, you know, geez, this feels really sudden. Um, I was actually thinking if we were recording in person, we would have got Tony on the line to talk about Surge, but um, we'll, we'll have to deal with you instead. Um, <laughs> have to deal with me. 
I suppose you're the best person in the room to talk to his impact and, you know, that generational through line that started with him and endures to this day and has obviously wrapped up and enveloped um, an entire ethnic community. Absolutely. When, um, obviously, Serge, obviously Australian-born, but obviously a, a, a child of immigrants himself. So when he, you know, broke through into the Carlton side, he, along with a handful of others, they were the, you know, the the beacon for especially the Italian community. You looked at that and go, well, if they're playing this weird game at the time, then, you know, we kind of gravitated towards players like him. And that's why Carlton has a significant Italian following. It's because of people like Sergio Silvani. And it, it, it was a sense of pride for the Italian people to, to have someone doing so well, especially, you know, playing for the team in the suburb where most of them were, were located. And um, so it's because of him. He started and basically brought along an entire demographic of followers. And then obviously his son continued the legacy and Jack is doing what he's doing. So it's, um, he's, he's unique, shall I say, in, um, in that sense. I think there was a really nice, um, and I, I put it in the, the Twitter, uh, the tweet that we put out, that there was this really comforting, you know, beautiful part of the Silvani story is that a generation watched Serge, their kids watched Steve, their kids are watching Jack. Yeah. And it's this really beautiful, you know, through line that connects A, the family, but B, the fan base to the family. And it's this really unique part of our game that um, the AFL obviously are really, you know, hell-bent on protecting, which is great because, you know, you love seeing it. Everyone gets really excited when, a, you know, the son of a gun sort of debuts. But um, I think in this case with, with a guy like Serge, you know, you touched on it. I think there's a lot to be said that it, it sort of made two cultures accessible to one another for a lot yeah. of people. You know, a lot of Australians would have looked at Serge, you know, as, as one of our players. He's wearing our Guernsey. Jeez, he's a good player. You know, he's a captain, a two-time best and fairest winner, a two-time premiership player, you know, team of the century, legend at the club. Um, and you're sort of sitting there going, geez, this guy's great. And then on the flip side, the Italian contingent, as you said, becomes exposed to something that is inherently Australian. Mm-hmm. And the crossover happens because of that. You've been, you know, you've spoken about this, you know, quite a bit off pod um, about the sharing of cultures yep, and, and how that's such an important part of a multicultural society. And um, as silly as it sounds, way back in the late 50s or mid, mid to late 50s, Serge was absolutely at the forefront of that when it came to um, football. Yep. And what, and people look back on it these days and see, I don't think they appreciate how hard it would have been. You know, everyone's like, oh, you know, have a look at the Italians, how they assimilated. Well, it wasn't that easy. And to have him, you know, a lot of people, and you, know, you can go back to players like Ian Stewart. Ian Stewart's uh, Italian, however, changed his name to obviously fit in into, into society, which wasn't easy to be of a different culture, whereas to basically maintain your, your pride and your heritage and, and forge your own way forward, it helps both sides because you maintaining your history and your culture and sharing that brings along others with you. 
Look, people I, ask people ask questions, and there's curiosity and mm. so, so, you know, the search for understanding. And I don't want to go off topic here, but I've all, always said, me and Sean have had a lot of these discussions off off pod where you've got a lot of these cultural issues going along around now in the world, and unfortunately, a lot of those groups find, you know, they don't really open themselves up to sharing that culture. The, the best way to bring people along and make people understand is to share your culture. And I think players like Serge Silvani did that. Do you know what I mean? It's don't change who you are. Tell people you, who you are. Tell people who you are, mm. exactly. And as, there was a great line, there was a great piece by Tony DeBolfo on the, on the website where he said if there was racial vilification laws back in those days, you know, there'd be, there'd be an incident every week. So, but um, so it was, it was, it's all good, well, to look back at it now and you look at it and go, wow, but it wouldn't have been easy for him. So the fact that he's done it, credit to him. And it's going on to be not just a great Italian Carlton player, but just a, he's a great Carlton player, regardless of what he was. Well, his you know accolades, I mean? you know, that I rattled yeah. off before, speak for mm. itself. You know, his, his role and his position within the club and the pantheon of the club uh, speaks for itself, doesn't it? Absolutely. Sean, did you happen to um, catch Robert Walls on SEN during the week? I did not. Yeah, so there was a, a shout-out to Jay Hyatt, my mate who I sit next to in the, the social club. He put me on to about a four-minute interview that Robert Walls did and the one thing that came out of it was he said, um, Serge Silvani set the tone, he set the expectations, he demanded effort, he demanded respect, and that carried through everybody. And, and he said as a young player, he, he said it became very, very apparent very early that Serge was one of the guys you wanted to prove yourself to. And he just set this huge demand, this physicality, this effort, this professionalism, and and I think that I think that was very much the Italian way upon um, you know coming to Australia to, to migrate and and genuinely come with nothing and work your asses off and create something and and he utilised that that attitude as a footballer and it rubbed off and and I st- I would like to think that that attitude remains at Carlton. I'm, I'm sad that I don't think that it does. But I think it's something that if we could re-encapsulate within the team, I think it would be a great thing. Well, this is what happened. So Serge was a very experienced player by the time Barassi came, and Barassi came with the remit of rebuilding the club and bringing with him the winning culture from Melbourne. And Serge was a lieutenant for Barassi, along with Nichols and co. But those guys were such an important... You're an established senior leader at this football club, and you're going to need to be onside, and you're going to need to believe and back me so that that message carries through to the playing group. Now, Barassi has his impact and he leaves. The club continues on with its success. And it's no surprise that Serge is still a part of the club when that success is handed over. He inherited it, if you will, from a guy like Barassi and took it on board. And then he paid it forward as an administrator off the field, etc. And it's more than just, you know, obviously the, the Silvani name, you know, your, that, that passion for the Guernsey, obviously... Um, isn't just because of the name. It's because of his personality, which Steve inherited, which Jack inherits, etc. So the only thing I will say, Fab, was there was a bit of frustration on Thursday with the way it kind of played out from from my point of view. We don't want to whack the club as such, but, you know, he obviously passes away uh, on the Thursday morning. Um, the club had a press engagement, by which time 
they would have been aware of this, that yep. that surge had passed, and David Teague fronted the media. Um, at a, just a little bit after that, you know, the, the word started filtering out. I think Andy Marr mm. was the first tweet to acknowledge it, and it took the club about three hours to put out a statement. Mm. And well, David 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 Teague hits that press conference with the knowledge, and, and, and uh, we've spoken and, about this. And he doesn't and he doesn't need to. Eulogise. I think he, he, I think he and, needs and, to and acknowledge the, and, it. And the, and the club also didn't need to release official statements. I just think, a, 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 oh, sorry, a lengthy official statement. I think they armed David with the information, and they also put out a a small press release, just acknowledging what's happened, and just to say, and more of you know, tributes to follow. And you, know that's I, it. you know what I think they needed but to do? Like everybody this... else, everybody else in the media were talking about it. See, my, so... my frustration even from, and this isn't necessarily on David as such, maybe he didn't want the opportunity, maybe he didn't grasp the opportunity, whatever. I think when it's non, non-football things, I think he needs to be guided. Oh, I'm not saying he doesn't, but when you're yeah. the senior coach, yeah. you are effectively one of the, the three main mouthpieces of the football club, and there was an opportunity for him to come out and the press conference... Uh, open up by saying, like you said, he doesn't need to, to perform a eulogy, but just to acknowledge mm. um, the passing of Serge Silvani. Uh, the club's hearts are breaking today. We've lost an absolute icon of our football club. Uh, on behalf of the club, it's it's staff, uh, members and players, I extend my condolences to the Silvani family. Um, you know, we'll appropriately honour Serge in the coming days. And then yep. begin the press conference. There's an opportunity for David to become... A, a bit of a statesman in that moment and to be proactive and he's sort of going, either you're not aware of it or the club wasn't aware of it or you didn't want the responsibility. And it's just, it was a little moment, but I just I just felt you've got the information. It was an opportunity lost, wasn't it? You've Mick would have done it. Mick would have done it. You've got the opportunity when you step up to the podium because you have the information and you just, I, I think that when the information's going to be out there once the press conference has begun, you're sort of going... You probably should say something, and and also if you media people who haven't necessarily grown up with the Carlton history and all that sort of stuff, if they've given you a list of this is what we want you to cover in this press conference and all that sort of stuff, there is absolutely no reason why being a really strong football person that you can't go off script. And I know we've castigated him at times when he's been just a little bit clumsy, and maybe he is trying to sort of you know stick, you know, in his lane and all that sort of stuff. But there comes a time when you're going, football is sometimes, you know, life is sometimes bigger than football. And there was a great opportunity for him to be not just a good Carlton person, but just a good person. And I, I just think it was an opportunity and, lost. And particularly when he, he's coaching Jack and the club was obviously aware absolutely. that, that mm. Jack wouldn't be at the club that day because of... Acutely aware, you know, absolutely. It's, it's a tricky but, one. But you hit the nail on the head, Tim, about... This 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 group of, of media, especially in in the print and radio media, where especially the ones at the press conference, they're of a younger generation that might not not might not know, don't know about the legend that is Sergio Solfani. And you know, I know Steve's got Steve's shadow is 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 ridiculous, but it's the fact that none of them asked the question, and they all would have known because the news was out. But none of them knew what to ask because none of them they don't know the story. No. No. So we right. should we should be the ones going you no. gotta educate. You gotta That's educate. Right. 
and and I just you just think you know he really was a giant of the club when you think about his contribution. If somebody from another club of the ilk of Sergio Silvani passes, and we always hope that it doesn't happen, mm. I just feel that some of the other clubs would have just handled it better than what we did, and uh, just a bit more again, proactive. Yeah, absolutely. But, but I mean, we don't want to get sidetracked. This is a club, no, Fab, no. who. who um, you rang to get information about where the shop was, and <laughs> do you want to tell this brief story? I, I rang. It was a lovely lady. I don't know. I can't remember her name, but she sounded obviously young. And I said I had to return a. Um, I bought a five XL Puma top. <laughs> Idiot. I'm convinced. I don't know if I bought that intentionally, like, thinking oh, I'll bring it back, or whether I just misclicked or whatever. So this thing arrives. It's like a curtain. It's that big. <laughs> it's a circus tent. Um, so I rang them up and said, you know, can I come in and return it? I don't want to send it back because I actually want to see what size is best. She said, yeah, yeah, not a problem. I said, I know there's stuff happening down at the club with the redevelopment. I said, whereabouts is the Carlton shop located? She goes, it's at gate three. I don't know where bloody gate three is. And I said, she goes, just go around to the, goes, go where the normal shop would be and then go around to your left along, you know, past the old grandstand and we're underneath. The gardener you know, stand, the, Fab's favourite. And I said, oh, so you, you're inside the Elliott stand. She goes, I don't know where that is. Hold on. She then puts the phone down and I could hear her talk. She goes, is this the Elliott stand? And a voice in the background goes, no, 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 it's, it, we can't say that. Um, it's the hero stand. She goes, oh, we're located in the hero stand. And I said, shit, not even allowed to mention his name. How that's, embarrassing that's, is that? Oh. For fuck's sake. Mate, seriously. you know the fact is? We've been ordinary since he left. People can shit-can the guy all they want, but he was our but no, idiot. But, serious, but, it, but that, that's just being petty. It is. It's, but that's the club. Where you're kind of going, who, who's this guy in the background that's like, no, we can't say his name? And you're like, what? Why don't you just go, yeah, yeah, yeah that's the Elliot stand. Yeah. Not... You're like, who the fuck are you to write the guy out of the history books? Mm. But even if that other person didn't know and said, uh, it's called the hero stand, I would have let go. But for the fact that he said... We can't say his name. We can't say that. What an idiot. No good. Um, what we wanted to see, gentlemen, from the, the game, once again, the segment started as about three or four dot points. I've whittled it down to one. Um, you know what I wanted to see? Win. No, you know what I wanted to see today? I wanted to see some pride in the jumper, play for Serge, play for Jack. Oh, I wanted to see a little bit of belief, a little mm. bit of chutzpah. You know, you pull on the Guernsey, you're playing Collingwood, club legends died, yet, yet his grandson's playing. Going, let's just fucking put, up, put a bit of a show on for him. Yeah, how many came, and how many, um, this is almost half throwing the question back at you, Sean, but how many people do you reckon were there for that? Apart from Jack himself, who you could just tell that the emotion was fueling Jack's performance, and I thought he was—I gave him a vote. I thought he was brilliant. But yeah, after giving you sent me a text with him, and I was like, "Who was it? Him or someone?" Bits. And I was like, "I was like, you can't halve your vote, mate. What are you doing?" Eddie, des- Eddie, Eddie deserved. Oh, I felt Eddie deserved a bit of a mention, but we'll we'll touch on him later. But how many were there for the fight on emotion? Not enough. I'm not going to let my teammate. And there's obviously they, they do care for him. You can see after the game. Can I ask like you a Stock, question? Stockton will leave his side. Can I ask you a question? 
post game. Yes. Do, do you reckon the club would have used? Or do you reckon no. we're too emotionless? We're too. It's about the process. All that bullshit. Do you reckon? You can't, Timbo, you know this, you can't go to the well with emotion every single week. You know, an overwrought, you know, overly earnest emotion. You can't do that every single week. This well, week and, and was as, a bait. This week was the week to do it. Yeah, and look, that's it. And somebody said on Twitter, you know, when, when like what we sort of said, I wanted to see, you know, the, with the additional motivation of Serge's passing, I want a more, you know, you know, passionate response and as one and I apologies to one of our listeners who who sort of took me to task on it no he didn't take me to task on it but just sort of said in general why do you need any more emotion any week you know the fact that you're playing for the Carlton Football Club and you're an a, a professional AFL footballer should be enough and you're going well, yeah, playing yeah, against look, the Giants isn't the same yeah. as playing against Essendon look, and it's not it's not but the point was well made by him is we should be professional enough to be able to bring it every single week but every now and again, just things just mean mean more. And in a in a stage of our development where at times we don't bring you know our full you know full freight every single time, this was a week where you go and you got a great opportunity to be able to create something here. For mm. God's sake, do it. But make the players accountable, Tim, for a level of heightened emotion. Actually, give them. This is where we talk about Tiggy. Sometimes you got to tell the story. You got to actually say. You know, and make a point of it. Make it say, "Go, this is Jack." You know, your father, your grandfather, is your DNA. Is, is linked I, I, I to the Carlton that. Football Club. Go and and make the other players aware of this. Go, this is a guy like came from a migrant background. He blazed a trail for his people. He put down roots in Carlton that are still there to this day. That are still felt by generations of Carlton fans. Go, this means something for arguably the first family of the Carlton Football Club. It's a big day. Going, and we need to we need to recognise that we have a duty today against a, an old rival that Serge butted heads with on many occasions. Going to do it for him. I said to Jay the Robert Walls interview, and that four minutes should have been played before the game, whether it be during the week or before they ran out. And moreover, it should be played to every single new recruit, whether it be by sort of trade, free agency, or draft, to be able to understand a lot of that effort requirement and all that sort of stuff. But I, I don't think the way that they ran out, I didn't see enough, as you said, Fab, aside from Jack himself, that really looked like he was driven to mm. impact. I didn't see a lot more than I anticipated. So the, the start, but then also sometimes when there is emotion, you kind of don't want to get jumped as well. And you, you sort of, you, you want to make sure you're still in the game and you want to settle down and then be able to impact. So it's really hard to, hard to give them a, a hard pass or fail, um, but certainly early I didn't see as much as I wanted to. However, we did get flogged early by Collingwood in round two, so the fact that we weren't blown out of the water straight away, I guess you've got to look at it and go, well, that's something relative to what we've been doing against that mob of late. We want to go now into the chicken salads and start talking about the game itself, um, and on the back of that, par- uh, we'll parlay that conversation to the next one. Fabian, uh, chicken salad, Jack Silvani. Took, yeah. took the big mark, kicked a big goal. And then he, at was the try, end, he was trying um, for that mark all day. He was, but at, at the end we got the probably the enduring image of the afternoon was him, um, the emotion getting to him and him on the field with tears running down his face and I think that'll be the thing that may possibly be on the back page. Yep, 100%. And whilst everyone should have had it in, the message should have be, we don't leave this field without a W because of your teammate, I think Jack had that in himself, saying, I'm not leaving this field without the W. 
for my grandfather. Now, God, were the, were the umpires on a different planet at the time? Like they picked every little thing that Jack did. If Jack was held, nothing. But if Jack held someone, free kick. It's like, no, nah, but he didn't let it get to him. He, he fought. Jack does a lot of those things, and you look it up. Always post-game, you try to – I give my votes, and I almost, you know, I pull the stats up just to kind of, you know, give yourself like a bit of a double check to see, you know, make sure I'm not doing a Timbo and giving someone three votes <laughs> with four touches. Because um, <laughs> he looked dangerous. <laughs> it's all but about Jack, the look. But Jack does a lot of one percenters. Do you know what I mean? The pressure racks that don't count towards stats. And I just thought he had one of those days. He took a, a, a big mark for a goal, not only, and then he took the hanger as well. I just thought that was just an all-round brilliant effort from from a kid who, at times, emotion can be overwhelming. You know what I mean? It could be a driver. But like that, even in moments in games, you could just fade out because it's all too much. He would have had a horrid week. And to put in the performance that he did is just unbelievable. Absolutely. Uh, Timbo, I think through the other chicken salad before we get into more individual players, um, kicked nine of the last ten goals, and for the first time this year we rallied from behind at the final change to get a win. I think that was the thing that was most most um, heartening was, you know, we've, we've battled to be ruthless. We've pushed for it for a long time. We've often said we don't know how to win. Um, so to have a game, and again, a big, big opponent, big occasion, that, and, and big situation, you even sort of felt with we got three goals up, we got there quickly, and you still sort of thought, geez, I hope we don't fritter this away now. And, uh, and, and there was still a bit of clumsy footy at times along the way, and that was about the time that the umpire paid the free kick against Sauce when he um, contested with Pendlebury, and he just flat out out-muscled him, outsmarted him and just beat him. And yet the umpires turned around and said, oh, well, we can't have that pendles. It's your kick. Um, God forbid he gets beaten one-on-one. But, yeah, it looked like for a moment you thought, are the gods going to um, conspire against us and we're not going to find a way to be able to secure this? And and I think just the Matt Kennedys, the Sam Walshers, the Liam Joneses, the <laughs> the Jacob Wiedering 30-metre punches. And it just there's so much to say. And the Stocker bump. You just sat there in the end. You just, A few of them just said... Not on my watch, boys. And it was that's the side of it that I've walked away again, albeit against not a great opponent. But I've walked away at the end of this game, and I've gone. I think I liked the way that you went about it to finish. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to also. I don't want to turn this into the side by side podcast, but uh, going back to that incident with Jack and Pendles, and Pendles on a, as a whole, I think he's gone. He's done. He's, he just looks. He can't carry them anymore. That that that's that's the the realization. He'll have good moments. He'll have good quarters and all that sort of stuff. And he's a star. And we, I mean, I've always loved Scott Pendlebury. I think he's just a bloody good footballer. But he's, he's making just, he's making mistakes. Yeah, Scott Pendlebury doesn't make. He's just not influencing anymore, and it happens. So um, time is the undefeated champion, as the great Rocky Balboa said. Um, I mean, look, we said last week that this man, we should give him his due because. We'd sort of glossed over his impact for four, five, six weeks. I mean, <laughs> what this guy, I'm going to put it to you boys. Is he currently the best player in the AFL? 
I almost went that um, when you kick the when you kick this goal. I I I, I just thirty nine touches more contested touches than anyone on the he's ground. He's the best player at our club. That's top. That's, I think he was in the top couple no for debate. clearances on the ground. Um, Three hundred plus meters gained. The match seal. Are, are, are we are we four weeks out from the end of the season? Five. He could. He's he could go. Perform, he's two more performances away from. He could go to the Brown top of the coaches. He could go to the top. Not be denied. He could go to the top of the coaches. I'm not sure exactly how influential Bontempelli was. I think he had not a bad game. He had, he had, he had ten clangers in the first half. He was fucking atrocious. So and then he and then he came good late, and they still had him as one of the. If they had him as the best player in the paper, but that's because journalism yeah, journalists no. don't get it. They don't um, watch the games either. He was at halftime. He was horrendous. He will go. He's he will go into the top two or three of the coaches award because he'll get another perfect ten. I was going to say he'll clean sweep today. Like, no, um, no, no. He, he he is just something else, and I know that we need all everyone, not just we. But when I say we, it's almost the royal we. Um, but everyone has a bit of a crack at Kane Corns, you know, Rosie, and oh, he doesn't win your matches and he doesn't hurt you. This kid is. He makes me. You can, if you can't get it already, I'm just speechless. I don't even know. I don't even want to do him a disservice by saying something that doesn't appropriately acknowledge how good of a player this guy is. Everything good that we did for the first two and a bit quarters was through him. Yep. yep. Every every time he got the ball, a bit of calm came over the game. Some possession. We kept the ball. We kept some momentum. We were proactive. This guy is taking the piss. In his third year of football, people talk about a guy like Chris Judd who won a Brownlow in his third year of football. I don't even know if Juddy was playing this well. No, I've always said that Chris Judd's first 100 games are the best 100 games ever played by anybody. I'm not saying overall career, but his first 100, no one played a better first 100 games than Chris Judd. This kid is ahead of him he's right played, now. He's played 50, 52 or 3 or whatever. He's ahead of him. He He's just... The most exceptional player, I think, in the game at the moment. Darcy Parrish is having a magnificent year. He's having an absolutely super year. Tim, fair being fair, Darcy Parrish is having a very, very good year. Doesn't get tagged. But he's doing it on the outside. He's doing a lot of stuff that's a bit more unaccountable. At stoppages, they're sending Dugowie and Pendlebury to him. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Like, if if you're trying to compare who is the the AFL yardstick at the moment, you look at Bontempelli. You look at Christian Petrarca, you look at uh, Clayton Oliver, you look at Jake Lever, um, and uh, but Jake Lever is a different footballer. But um, but as far as you know, Dusty Martin, when he's up and going, obviously, and and obviously he's done for the year now. So when you talk about who is the best player right now, I mean Bont's been going great, but you know I, I think he he blotted his copybook on the weekend. Petrarca's not doing much wrong and hitting the scoreboard as well. Um, so uh, yeah, it's good. It's, it's a, in a beautiful place. I think there was mm. a turning point, Fab. Probably maybe maybe sort of two thirds ish of the way through last year, when I don't know if the if the switch flicked for Sam. If he was or given, half if he half-light. but if he was yeah. given, I'm going to make a really specific point about an element of his role. If he was given carte blanche, if he was given, you know, permission, if you will, to be more damaging offensively, to sit there and go, mate, take it on try to hit the scoreboard, because he was he was a very unselfish player, in a good way. Yeah. But from about halfway, two-thirds of the way through last year, it's almost as though someone said, you're too unselfish. You could be kicking a goal a game in the mould of the old 
kind of midfielder, kick a goal a game. Yeah, yeah. He's just yeah. kicking goal of a week every week at the moment, which <laughs> is, is a bit over the top. But it just has to be a regulation goal, Sam. It doesn't need yeah, to you, be. You can run into the open goal and just dribble along the ground. You, you don't need to kick goal of the week. But there was almost this this feeling for me, as I said, watching him play, where you just went. The, the Kane Corns criticism sort of ramped up a little bit, and he, he sort of started to get. Um, I don't know. It felt like he started to get permission to be more damaging offensively. Yep. And I'm just having a look here. So even Carlton 2020 last year, he went the first six games without a goal. Then he went 2 one naught, one one naught, one 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 naught, naught. And then he sort of started off this year without goals in the first four, and he's gone one one one, uh, No goals, no goals, one goal, no goals, one goal. No goals, no goals, one goal, two goals, one goal. Yep. So he's starting to... When he's, he's starting to kick that goal a game, you know, which... Is the is the mark of obviously a good player, or it used to be certainly. Absolutely. Um, another one who deserves special commendation, Tim Bow, is Mr. Kennedy. That's a mid two thousands WWF reference for anyone out there. Um, Mr. Kennedy now on the back of some continuity and some confidence, Tim Bow is playing some really really good football. And sharing a carriage with me at Puff and Billy. <laughs> I, th- I think you're the catalyst, Big Fab. No, yeah. I don't think he is. But <laughs> and his mum or his old girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, we were not sure. I think it was his mum. I'm not sure why he's going on Puffy Billy with his mum. It's, it's 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 not like she was an. I'm not saying she was unattractive, but it wasn't like she was like this cougarish older woman. She was a an elder, not an elderly woman, but a, a much no, older no, Tim, woman. No, no, Don't wave him off. Give him enough rope. <laughs> let's, let's, don't, don't, let's not let's go keep down him the, mark, going. the Mark Law path or anything like that. Don't so. interrupt this idiot when he's trying to make a point that doesn't need to be made. But uh, Matty Kennedy, Timbo, he's got some continuity now. He's playing some games of footy without Paddy Cripps in the team. He was thrown more in the guts, effectively, as Paddy's avatar. And he played a really good game today. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? A little bit like what Fab sort of said. Sometimes you sit there and you're going, I know what I saw. And, and, you know, he's well and truly passed the eye test. Every now and again, you just like to look at the stats and go, did he play as well as I thought that he played? And then when you look at it, you go, he had a game-leading six clearances. He had a game-leading seven tackles. He had 480 metres gained, which I would have thought would have been a stat that you wouldn't have thought that Matt Kennedy would have been high on. He kicked well, What was that, 401? 480 metres gained, Fab. Well, he had 80 metres on one goal. Well, I was going to say that, and, and I was going <laughs> to say, and the goal that he kicked. Given that, given that we'd given away the goal when um, TDK did that really, really lazy um, left foot kick, in the back line that got picked off by whoever the kid was who got it, um, you just sit there and going, at that moment, we might have crumbled. The fact that we, Paddy Dow worked hard to be able to get the free kick and Matty Kennedy's played on and then he spanked it from easily 65 out. And, uh, and, and we've always said Kennedy can kick it. When he kicks goals like that, he just reminds, him, reminds us all of, he's not just a good kick, he can be a very, very, very good kick. Um, he took seven marks, and he's, he's just that big body, strong in the air, and he can be a real link for us as well. Had 26 possessions. Um, it really, we've said a couple of times in probably the last month, um, best game Matty Kennedy's ever played, especially in the circumstance that Cripps was absent and that we needed a presence and physicality in the middle and probably the first quarter and a half, Brody Grundy was influencing. We needed somebody to fly the flag. 
And Walsh was always doing it, but he needed mates. And Matt Kennedy came along for the ride and, and has gone, yeah, we got this. And, yeah, I'm thrilled for the kid. I thought he's played great. I think that um, – and, and two, I think I don't know if you mentioned he took uh, seven marks as well, and a few of those were actually quite important clunks that relieved a bit of pressure, allowed us to set up, allowed us to take more territory. They were really important yeah, moments. There was no junk in it, was there? They no. were really, really key physical um, – Impacts on the game. The other one too, you mentioned him just before Timbo, but we'll go to Fab with this one. Another man who's getting a bit more confident in his body and his ability to take on the contest and impact the contest is Paddy Dow. Uh, ten weeks ago, people were writing this guy off. He doesn't have any attributes. He's not an AFL player. Um, now they're starting to see a player. He's got more. He's got, he's got attributes. Trust me. He's got that sidestep. Is becoming. You're seeing it three or four times a week, but he's adding a pivot or a pirouette to it. Um, and he, he put he cracks into contests more than more than you would know. So um, he's what I liked about Paddy Dow this week is that go back a few weeks ago, he had a great, good first half and then faded a little bit and then came back in the last couple of minutes to help us get the win against Fremantle. the teams of Aiden. Fremantle. He was he's in it for longer, and that's just a that's a, a byproduct of continuity of game time. Um, his disposal has improved out of sight. There's not much more that can be said about him, the, the only and not much more that can be said about the the match committee who refused to play him for and, so long. And that's the segue. We don't want to be, become harping on about O'Brien, but the, the point I made earlier, I just want to pivot back to that, like Paddy Dow would at a stoppage. Um, all these things are being said about Dow 10 weeks ago. The same things people are saying about O'Brien now. And he's sitting yep. there going, well, how would we know if you're right or you're wrong? Because they won't play him. So they didn't want to play Dow. They didn't want to play Cunningham. They didn't want to play Stocker. They didn't want to play Kennedy. You can go through the list. They didn't want to play him. And they made up every excuse under the sun not to play them. But now that we've gotten a look at him, he's gotten some confidence, he's feeling you know, like he belongs in the team, like he can offer something substantial to the team, we're starting to see some reward from it. Um, a man who I've singled out here for a little bit of praise, Timbo, he had an up-and-down day, he was in the wars. I really liked a few of the things that Zach Williams did rebounding us off half-back. He was really important on yeah. a few occasions, intercepting and then springboarding mm. us out. Yeah, he was very, very good early. He looked like he was a player that decided that he'd come to play, and um, he wasn't. Um, he wasn't fully redlining it early, but he was certainly on. Um, he was very unlucky with the bounce of the ball with Collingwood's first goal that again gifted Jamie Elliott goals, which just just sort of feel like it was a bit of Groundhog Day. Um, but you're right. I think he had a few intercept marks, especially through the third quarter when the game started to change and we were choking Collingwood a little bit more. He. He took the marks inside the corridor, and he's the guy. He really, Sard's the same. He really understands space and the point of attack, and he knows, unlike Ed Kerno, who's happy to just bomb it up the line, um, he he is really creative, and he, he is happy to go corridor or a big, long, wide switch to be able to change the point of attack. Um, and I thought he was a real breath of fresh air. Um, back, back into a couple of packs, he got a big-ass uh, Liam Jones knee right to the middle of his back, which clearly didn't tickle, um, but he was still able to get up and play on. And and, uh, and again, he's always come to the club with his ability to be able to kick it and uh, and impact the game. And, and, you know, he had 16 possessions, 14 of which were kicks, which, you know, clearly that's his 
style. That's the way that he plays. Um, he only had 308 metres gained, which isn't a huge number for Zach Williams. Um, but clearly, the, the six marks were very important at you know certain times of the game. And uh, I, yeah, I agree with you. I thought he, it was a great contribution. I, I like his ability, as I said, just to on a couple of occasions, at least three that I can remember off the top of my head, he actually read the Collingwood play in transition, teased, as we've been saying for several weeks, teased the kick, and then like a pop-up sprinkler was there to kind of go, <laughs> you, you actually went, how have you not seen this man? Mm. You've yep. actually laced him out. So that was good. Um, Harry Mackay will steer away from Timbo here because Harry, <laughs> at halftime, Harry was on track for three votes from Timbo. <laughs> um, but to Tim's credit, he would have seen something because he got dangerous. Fab, give Harry Mackay one-on-ones against ordinary key backs. They don't want it. He wants it. He shouldn't be having to take the marks that he has to take to kick the goals he does. Especially late in games. Oh. You're not going to outmark him. That, you know the old adage that you don't get... No, big players don't get don't get smaller. That was the, the coach of parade. On. That was the coach of parades mantra, Timbo. <laughs> <laughs> um, Unfortunately yeah, for hey, Chad, the coach, so, the assistant coach, goes that also don't get any quicker. Uh, <laughs> Serge Silvani, proud parade boy. Um, but um, we, like you said, we just don't. The fact that this bloke is leading the Coleman, and I, I reckon he's five goals away from taking the medal. Is astounding. He has to work so hard and in amongst so much congestion. It's it's infuriating to watch. And then the one time we moved it quick, it was in the could have been the first or the third quarter. And then we just he was one on one, and we could bomb it long to him. We <laughs> and stopped we it, and we did those like three handballs, like in a little bit of a circle, and it, we we kind of lost the ball amongst ourselves. It's like. When he's one-on-one, you can just bomb it high and long. We've spoken about what don't the opposition want. So Darcy Moore's out. That means that their key position back is ripe to be exposed. We've obviously only got one key tall today. There's more on that later, how we move the ball to him. But isolate them, David. And if they want to double-team him, put our spare 25 metres ahead, make their second defender make a decision. Do I support the long kick to Harry and help out Roughhead? Or do I maintain enough you know, space to my man? Make their defender, whether it's Maynard or whoever it might be, make their defender actually every single time the ball's coming in, make a choice. Is it going long? I have to read this. Is it going long? Do I have to support the one-on-one? Or, do I, or is my man in play? We don't pull, we don't pull oppositions and defence, especially opposition defences apart. And we they, don't stretch them. And that's the thing. You either create Harry as a decoy... Or you get him isolated. So, yeah. and then lastly, just a special shout out, Timbo. Keep it quick, Timbo. Keep it sharp. I want to give a special shout out to TDK, who started a little bit rough, but grew into the game and ended up playing a, not a bad, uh, not a bad night. Yeah, they actually showed the bit where Silvani was going up against Grundy. TDK had been on the bench. Grundy was having you know, huge influence on the game, and uh, and and I reckon I text message at that point and sort of said he's got to really take something out. He's got to really learn something from this. And it was almost like the break was a bit liberating for him because he just came out and just attacked the footy. He was very he, ju- he, he jumped well in his ruck contests. He was getting hands to the ball either immediately or as the ball came down, he was able to make a play on it. Um, very much quelled. Um, 
uh, Grundy's game, uh, who really, from about halfway through the second quarter, Grundy had stuff all influence on the game whatsoever. And, um, and, and the longer it went, um, TDK just seemed to get better and better and better. And even, like, he obviously kicked the goal um, from the good bit of play by Jack Martin when he said that he was going to have his long shot on goal. Didn't after he'd given away the one that we had. And then, um, and then even when Betts kicked the goal that probably gave us a bit of breathing room, he'd gotten two hands to it at the front of the, the pack and really looked like he was about to pull down a key contested mark. Didn't quite, but absolutely ran the game out. Really would have walked away from that game going head-to-head with Grundy. I think he'd be really, really happy with his work. And, and it's everything that we've all thought. You know, We know that we've got a player here for the future. He just got to understand how good he can be and how much influence he can have because we've got a good footballer on our hands. Well, Grundy ends up plus eight in hitouts. The Collins yep. plus one in uh, plus one in clearances, four to three. Yep. And Tom kicks a goal. So Correct. Which going, Grundy didn't. So you know, that's yeah, that's a pretty. Well, it's good to kick the goal immediately after a bit of an error of his on the other end of the ground. And he didn't go into his shell and yeah, all that, that sort that of stuff. That probably to be that probably stopped him from going into his shell. In a way, Correct. he probably thought. Correct. Okay, there you go. I've got. I'm, I'm, I'm even again. Okay, let's get. Whereas, if you're made to sweat, you can obviously drift out of the game a bit and try too hard. But you didn't have to wait too long. Uh, chicken shits. Now we want to go into the uh, chicken shits. All right. Our method again. We rely way too heavily on individuals, and against poorer teams like today, it's enough because Sam Walsh can slap his the Superman cape on, and Harry Mackay can kick four goals in a quarter. Um, you know, it's it, it'll work against teams which don't have the quality that we have on any given day. But Fab, it's not good enough. It's not reliable enough. It's not consistent enough. And it's taking us nowhere. It's not consistent enough to us. Do you know what I mean? It, the, the team needs a consistency of method Messaging. to make the way we play easier for us, for ourselves, rather than having to bust a nut. For, bust a what? You know, bust a nut. That's not the right phrase you're looking for. No? Nope. Oh, well, it's... it's <laughs> is, that not, is, that, is, that, is that not a thing? No, bust a nut means ejaculate. <laughs> <laughs> what is the term to be industrious, to work your, your tail off? Yeah. Bust a gut. Bust a gut. Bust a gut. <laughs> it is too. Well, we... All right. That's well, a great moment in the pod. Well, we're working blue now. <laughs> <laughs> Just maybe not navy. <laughs> I've lost my train of thought now. What was I saying? Method, method, Fabian. Method. Yeah, no, no. I'm saying if the the method and and the, the game plan is there, we don't have to continually bust a gut to get every little inch in a game. Do I say gut? That oh, I don't know if getting every well, inch is the right inches, way. But anyway. <laughs> I think we might just transition to Tim here. Um, give Fab some time to get his head in order. You're an idiot. You're thinking about stuff maybe that's a couple of hours down the line, Fab. You're a few hours ahead of yourself. Um, Timbo, our ball movement. Now, horrendous. We have one tall playing today because TDK is rucking. Got one tall in our forward line in Harry. The first one-on-one look we gave Harry all day, he marked it and he golded in the last quarter to sort of get us underway. We are such an easy team to play against. Because we don't ask the right questions, we don't set up to play how we should, and it's just it's it's maddening, Tim. Why were we kicking to packs all day? The whole first quarter and a bit, uh, you just look, you just didn't even see where our goals were going to come from. 
uh, we were just making hard work of it and, and you were just forever trying to, you know, defend once the ball eventually turned over in our forward line and try and get some semblance of pressure on the ball carrier and limit opposition um, ball use. Um, we were just, we just didn't, we weren't impressive in any way, shape or form. And you, just, you, you watched it and you thought, this is this is going to be such a long day. And you thought, we, we legitimately, we may not score. <laughs> um, Jack Martin obviously kicked one after the siren and, and you know, he, he played a good game, Jack Martin. But um, you just sit there and you're going, thank God he was there and he can mix his goal kicking and at least nailed that one. Um, that he had because without it, we were there was precious little scoreboard pressure coming on, and you just couldn't see where the next one was coming either. So, fortunately, fortunately, again, we weren't up against much, and we were able to manufacture something. But again, it's an individual brilliance um, victory again. So it, it, you take no confidence going into North Melbourne, who of late have actually been playing pretty decent footy. So you, um, we're, we're still we're still yet to be convinced of what we're doing and how we're trying to do it. Anything on that one, Fab? I think Timbo's pretty much covered all of it. Excellent. Um, I think the other one is team defence for me. So at, at what point, Fabian, at what point on the field do we start defending with any purpose or urgency? Most teams tend to defend 40 metres ahead of the ball, whether it's yep. being kicked out from full-back or you know, at the centre line. You basically go, the kick is 50 metres, we'll tease them to kick it a bit longer, but we'll, we'll protect the next 40 metres of the field and we'll set up the web, set up the net, whatever you want to call it, and we'll try mm-hmm. to create turnover as close to goal as we possibly can. And like a football team, they shuffle up and down the field yeah. as a team, as a web. So it's a moving system. Yeah. Absolutely. We show no urgency or shape until they get to about 60 metres out from goal. Yeah. yeah. And then we, we rely on... And that's, this is why... Statistically, we're one of the worst defences in the AFL. But as individuals, our, our defence is probably the best part of our side. So when you when you put those two things together, it doesn't make any sense. How can you have a collection of good defenders or players who are playing good in defence and yet be one of the worst defensive sides in the competition? That's because collectively we're not working as a team, to defend. And that comes down to system and and, and execution. So I don't know. I reckon it's more systems-based than than, than execution-based, to be honest. But, yeah, we just – we teams, especially, we don't lock anybody in. We don't don't get – Teams teams seem to be able to pretty much transition out of their defensive 50 pretty easily. Well, we don't seem to get urgent with defence until it's way too late. And then another flow on from that, Timbo, is we actually don't have any shape behind us when we're attacking. You talk about soccer teams, which we've, which we've done in the past. If I move the ball forward out of my own half, a good football team has that pivot at the back yeah. where you go, you know, where you're looking at clock. You go, at my 6 o'clock or my 8 o'clock, I always know Tim will be there. So if yep. I try to advance the ball and I run into trouble, I just turn around and I know where you are. I don't even have to look. But we just seem to attack with reckless abandon with nothing behind us. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's the hot knife through butter attack that uh, if it works and we look fantastic and everything, everything plays out as we need it to, we score. And you're going, yeah, yeah, okay, that's good. But what happens if you don't? 
and uh, and as you say, we don't we don't regather defence till the ball sometimes moved a hundred metres out of our defence, and then we're at it again trying to get back to a status quo, try and win the footy, and then formulate another attack. And you, you, you're right; there just seems there just seems like there could be so much more science and structure about the way that we move forward and support one another that that it would mean that your attacks themselves are more potent and, and give you more chance of scoring and um, then afford you the, the opportunity to try and keep the ball inside 50 and create second chance goals because there there's precious little of that. Um, Eddie was pretty good today with his pressure and mm. Oe floated around and put a bit on. And no, but individually, Timbo... Look at always. Look at Jack. Look at Eddie. Every week they put they they the bust, they bust a gut to try and get it's, there. Ad, it's, it's ad hoc. Yeah, it's, there's, there's when, no it's, when it's one bloke, you know, you know that old training drill, the, the triangle training drill, where the, the team with the ball just kind of handballs, and there's a bloke in the middle going, "I'm never going to get the ball off these blokes. I'm just yeah. wasting energy." But when we there's obviously a breakdown because there's times and there's periods in games where we do get that system. Right, and we're forcing teams to kick. It's more when it's in a, a static situation where we force teams to kick down the wing, and we set up and, and create contest. We dominate that. Our intercept marking comes into play and all that. But when it's free flowing, so when when, when the the lines of defence aren't as obvious, and when it's free flowing, it all breaks down. I agree completely. Agreed. Uh, and then lastly, just in terms of the chicken shits. Just, we've spoken so much about this in the past, our reputation. So no one respects us. No one starts the game going, got to be make sure, oh, geez, we've got to make sure we're pretty switched on these guys. This could get away from us. They start games thinking we can break them pretty quickly, pretty easily. And against teams like Collingwood today, you know, North Melbourne, Gold Coast recently, etc. You know, these are teams who should be thinking, oh, geez, I might be in for a tough one here today. But they think, no, nah, we can win this. Yeah. We, can, we can beat this mob. And that's embarrassing. That's an indictment. And and that's not going to change overnight, though, Sean. That's 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 the challenge. Is as a playing group, as a coaching staff, as a you know the the messaging coming out of the club and all that sort of stuff. We've just got to be harder and more ruthless and all. You've got to earn things. it. Yeah, you've got and, to earn it. Correct. Correct. And the reality is, we've won three of our last four games, and we were inaccurate against Geelong. And if you wanted to paint a cup half full view of where Carlton is right now. If you wanted to, you could probably actually make it a good, good story, but you listen to the media. It's not. It's not. I mean, Nick Revolt said he thought that we'd win, but pre-game, but there were a few others that are saying, I just don't see it. And, and you're sitting there again, you're looking at Collingwood, and, and they were saying, I think Jonathan Brown was going, look at the Collingwood midfield and going, yeah, granted Grundy, but, you know, you go Pendlebury side bottom Adams, and you're going, washed up, washed up, can't kick. So... Realistically, if you do halve Grundy, you should be in the game up to their eyeballs, but they're never going to say that. They're never going to give us credit. And granted, Patrick Cripps was out. So it was an easy an easy, um, you know, assertion to make that Carlton made battle to win the footy. But, you know, again, as we looked at it, well, why not? I agree completely. Um, we're going to go... Do you have anything else to add on those, uh, any of those topics? Talking to me? No. No, just anyone who wants to answer. Oh, no, no. No, you're happy with that? Yeah. Um, do we we glossed over in the chicken salads? Did we want to talk about Liam Stocker's bump on Brody Mychek? We're going to talk about that. Thank you. In the uh, in the mailbox. Beautiful. <laughs> You've got mail. 
So I've been sort of building this airplane as it's running down the runway. We've got a few to get us uh, off and running. This could get dangerous. We've only got about five. I've got to find a few more. Uh, Daniel Scolo gets us underway. Dow, Kennedy and Fish in the middle. They only got games in the middle because of injuries, but how good were they? Fish is better suited around the ground with his evasiveness. Kennedy's a big-bodied big mid to help Cripper. And Dow just needs to be trusted. Also loves Stocker's hardness. This is exactly right. This is what we've been speaking about, and this is what we speak about with regard to O'Brien. These guys were given opportunities seemingly against the will and better judgment of the match committee, and they've all given us something. Fisher's best moment of the game in which he'd existed on the periphery, playing as a small forward, was when, I don't know if it was by design or just he happened to be in that part of the ground, he got the ball on the wing, stepped a few, took some meterage, and hit up um, Martin, maybe? Hit up with a... which led to the Stocker goal? I think you're right. Hit up someone? Yeah. Led, led, to the, yeah. led to a goal. You sort of go and... Why are we wasting him at the foot of horrible forward 50 entries where it's just a mass of humanity? He's a small guy, he's fleet of foot, he can step a bloke, he's got some reasonable pace, he's a good user of the footy. Put him further up the ground. And by all means, rest, rest deep forward, you know, in the, in the pocket or if, if you need to rotate through there. But, yeah, don't, don't prioritise him as a small forward. I, I think he'd been caught a few times when he'd sort of tried to use agility and break through guys and all that sort of stuff. And he never had the size to be able to do it. And he's not a whole lot bigger than when he came to the club now in general. But he just seems like he does it a little bit better in traffic and he can break a, a tackle or two. I'm more than happy to back him in, you know, trying to weave his way through. And like Cripper does it a bit, you know, he tries to take on too much and gets caught. I don't think it's that hugely demoralising. you just got to be ready to get your defence back in behind the ball if it ever happens. But I'd, I'd happily give him you know, the passport to be able to take the game on and, and sort of try and side his way through the football field. So um, um, I, I like him in there. Uh, and, and as you say, we've made this decision to try and make him a small forward. He was always a half-forward wingman. I think maybe we're pushing back to, again, where he's always played his best footy. Agree. Second is Lenny Dill, who's given us a bit of a checklist. One, I love JSOS. Two, Walsh might already be our best ever player. Three, I love, <laughs> three, I love JSOS. Four, Weedering should be our captain next year. Five, I love JSOS. Six, do we still win if Bucks was coach? And seven, I love JSOS. Um, we all love JSOS, so that's, you know, get that out of the way. Yeah, look, Walsh, Walsh is, he's just phenomenal. Like, mm. I, I don't think I would have gone of all time. I, I, I honestly don't think there's... There's a ceiling on the hyperbole that you can't realistically dismiss out of hand. No. That you can't hear a statement like, like, is he our best player? You idiots laughed at me when I said that last year. You just, you dismissed it. Here I am. Cat who well, ate we always thought, even, we always even, hoped that he would be. We just even a broken air then. Cat who ate the cream. Sitting here, this guy. <laughs> you also said two years ago that Patrick Cripps will go down as the greatest player in Carlton's history. Did I say that? Yes, on pod. I'd find it. Find it for me. Yep. Go find which, it. Uh, which well, I wasn't disagreeing with you at the time, but Go it was find fine. It. Go find it for me. Put a poll up. <laughs> You're fucking obsessed with polls, mate. Genuinely. <laughs> fucking embarrassing. Um, Weedering, look, he had a bit of a rough start today. Majacek played very well, and, and we're getting him on the lead. That's what we all know is his weakness. That's just fab fucking around in the background making that noise. That's really annoying on the record. Yeah, he's muted himself, thank God. Um, and do we still win if Bucks was coach? Who knows? Who, who knows what fucking 
what Collingwood would do. I mean, look, would they have been... They, I mean, you could make the argument that Bucks' recent record against us as coach of Collingwood was flawless. So he obviously knew what he was doing and needed to do to beat us. Um, I, look, I'd say no. Look, go, going into the game, the one thing that I just couldn't shake was when you looked at some of the players that are in this Magpie side... Um, and they've got a couple of good young players coming through, but and obviously Oliver Henry's had a you know a, a nice little day kicking three. But there are just so many players that just seem to be just making up the numbers, and they might be good players in the future, but they're really young, really inexperienced. I don't think they've really put their own stamp on the way that they want to play footy and all that sort of stuff. So you, you just looked at them, you thought they are so gettable, um, because again, everyone will get sucked into the. Pendlebury, side bottom, Grundy, Adams, um, and and if they dominate, well, any any sides who whose you know four core midfielders dominate a game of football, will you win? That's that kind of just what happens. But you always knew we were going to be able to match them, and you sort of thought if it comes to their second and third level of footballers, they just don't have it. You know, a guy like Jack Crisp, who I'm a big fan of, he's just not impacting footy now because there's just not depth of quality throughout the whole side. You know, he, he can't. He, he was the, the release valve on occasions. Jordan Degoe is another one, you know, who at least played a nice little game. He got a bit of it. He didn't really hurt us. Um, so I'm, I'm, I just don't think he's got – he doesn't have the soldiers. Have you seen the uh, – I agree with everything you said there, Timbo. Um, have you seen the, the tweet from Michael Cerevolo to us? Or Cerevolo? To us, uh, Sean, it's the heat map of I, Sam Walsh. Yeah, you know why you've seen it? Because I've retweeted it, mate. Oh, that's probably why. But I, I, I haven't seen it. Is it just everywhere? Or No, it's shaped it, like a cock and balls. Oh, right. I've seen, there's a few like that. Yeah. It's apparently yeah, but, it's 100% uh, real. It, <laughs> it's brilliant. Can you bring up, can you just verify that for us, Timbo? Bring up Sam Walsh's heat map and tell, tell it's like Austin Powers. Tell us it looks like a cock and balls. Uh, well, I'm trying, where is the heat map? Where, it's where, on the, where, isn't it on the uh, AFL app? I'm looking on the AFL app at the moment, but I don't know where you find the heat map. Heat, heat map. Advanced stats. Advanced. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I'm not. I'm just not sure. Um, we're uh, going out, we'll, we'll, we'll work on that. If I find it, I'll let you know. <laughs> we'll work on that. Um, I like uh, Kane Corns has retweeted us because I had a crack at him. He's re- he's commented from a tweet from May, um, which is interesting. He's obviously knows how to use advanced search, old Kano. Um, can't get, can't, he said, can't get them all right, can we? This is a special mailbox involving everyone's favourite bell end in the media, Kane Corns. <laughs> um, can't get them all right, can we? I mean, this was three hours ago, and he tweeted, retweeted me saying, anyone left on the Teague train, question mark. Sam Walsh is. I said, well, how is that wrong? We were horrible today against the worst Collingwood team in living memory. The only reason we won is because of Sam Walsh, who, much to your eternal chagrin, is a superstar. Young, like he's he's not terribly bright, is he, Kano? Well, he opens himself up for the right side of uh, sort of criticism far too often. Uh, it's like if if <laughs> be interested if he responds to that. I don't know if he will, but just say, how do you think we were coached for the first two and a half quarters, mate, and for yep. the rest of the year up to this yep. point? Uh, Junior's got in contact with us, still waiting on that shirt from Fabaganoush. He's working on it. Um, Stocker standing there with his arm around Sauce at the end is massive for me. Mind you, five minutes earlier, he was in the thick of it standing up for Fish when Taylor Adams was trying to stand over him. Yeah, Stocker is fast becoming a guy who, like we keep saying, the reason they didn't play him for so long is mystifying because he's everything we need. Good user of the footy, hard, 
sticks up for his teammates, shows some some oomph about him. And there's just more and more of these examples each week. Well, as I said at the end, I said that bump on Brody Majek. I said inject that stuff straight into my veins, please. Yep. It's uh, it's it's been so long since we've some had somebody that is as demonstrative of that. Um, he and it was the perfect bump too, and it hurt him as well. Like we don't want to see opposition sides getting hurt, but when it was the bump that had to be made. And he didn't do it politely. He didn't do it tokenistically. He's gone, this is how authentic a footballer and a competitor I am. And he absolutely drops the hammer on the bloke. And uh, I think somebody tweeted before said, um, there are rumours going around that Brady Majek is still in the forward pocket lane on the ground at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I loved it. I loved it. But I like his footy. I like his dare. Obviously, the running goal where he went past as well, I just... This kid is so worth persisting with, and he's absolutely got something. I know I'm probably looking for something that's not there, but Yaz was usually when you when you when you're hard and you're a bit physical, it's you're kind of compensating for for a lack of skill. But Liam Stocker, like Chris Yaron, had that. It's got that edge that goes along with being a pretty silky player. Yeah, and I don't know if it's just. Me seeing probably reading too much in it with the thirteen and stuff. It is, you know, I don't know. I love him. I love. I love stock. Uh, still love Yaz. Lynn, yeah, yeah, we still you know, love. You know, hopefully, um, hopefully Yaz can play in the like a penal league, Timbo. California Davey, Penal League. Len Jet has got in touch. Selections are still staggering. Cottrell contributed nothing and we played Fogg as a sub while his body was quote-unquote managed. If Nunes was cooked in the first with back, uh, then Fogg gets no rest. As for the first half, how and why do we get out there with the mindset of bombing it long and high into inside 50? Yeah, it looks spot on. I think some, some of the elements of selection is head-scratching. Um, we don't want to labour the point on some of the other young guys we've mentioned in the past that were overlooked constantly and then finally contributed when given a go. Look, Matty Cottrell is a willing soldier ant, um, but he is the very definition of a transitional footballer. He's a guy that gets games because the team's depth is poor or whatever the case may be. Mm. We have better options or should be prior- prioritising other options in place of him. And it's gotten to the point where... Not doing so, Timbo, is, is derelict. Sorry, I just dropped my phone. Oh, look, I, I agree 100%. I, I appreciate Matthew Cottrell for his efforts, but I just think where we're at right now in the balance of the season that we've got, yeah, if you pulled him out and replaced him with any of those young players, we just get an opportunity to see what, what we've got. I don't think we end up worse off. Um you know, Ed, Ed's the challenging one because Ed still had nearly 500 metres gained today, so he's doing a job. But again, I think he's getting 60 metres with just a hat kick forward that actually isn't helping us. Um, so it's a, it, it, it's it's going to be a challenging transition, but I think clearly we need to see Lockie O'Brien because he still gives us that metres gained. He gives us our defensive shape. He gives us our work rate. He, you know, we retain possession when he uses the footy. So I think that's, that's a given. I think we want to see Josh Honey. Um, Sam I think we'd Ramsey. Like, yeah, Sam Ramsey. We, we, if Sam Ramsey jumped up in my rice bubbles in the morning, I wouldn't even know what he looks like. And, and He's asked, I think what that, are you doing in my house? How did you get in? <laughs> and how do you fit in this bowl? Is this some, honey, I shrunk the kids. <laughs> Josh, honey. <laughs> but I, I, I'm not 
going to sit here and try and pot a bloke. And no. look, I've got no. I mean, I'd be selecting. I'd be selecting Matty Cottrell ahead of Jack Nudes at the moment. So to me, it, the spot in jeopardy isn't Matthew Cottrell after today. Surely, and I know he hurt his back early, but until he hurt his back, he was horrendous. Jack Nunes. It was probably horrendous. good for him. It was probably good for him. And I, I, I think he's been fairly average for a while, and I don't understand how those plays you just mentioned can't get a sniff particularly fat, at all. Particularly when this week's match committee was done by a team sitting 6 and 10. Yep. Yeah, if there was ever a time to be able to expose a young kid to... It's a shame it wasn't a crowd and all that sort of stuff, but on the MCG, playing Collingwood... Unleash them. You know, you're playing up. You're playing against enough other kids that have got you know less than ten games experience. You can find matchups where you're not. You know, it's not going to be any worse than what they're going to be playing when they're playing at VFL level. You just get to do it in a senior arena. Um, a and you're not, arena. Gift, you're not gifting games or anything else like that. They're absolutely ready for the opportunity. You play them and you see what you got. You probably wouldn't play them against. I mean, Melbourne's not a good example, but you wouldn't play against a Brisbane or a Geelong, or whatever, where you got senior bodies and all that sort of stuff that are playing really, really good footy. Um, but um, yeah, today was a day that we could have looked beyond Nunes, um, and again. There's a bit of same-sameness with Cottrell. I'd like to see somebody else have a crack. Jimmy Faz. So, no Crips and we dominate clearances. No question in that just discuss because seriously, this shows we should have done this since round two. Now, we've been big gentlemen. We've spoken um, at times on the podcast this year about being creative, being imaginative and redeploying Patrick Cripps. Charlie Kerner hasn't been out there. Mitch McGovern hasn't been out there. Levi Casbolt has been what, Fabian, in the words of Tony? Shit. So... Get creative, get imaginative. Last week, your mate Kaz built is shit. But <laughs> get Crips deep. Use him as a forward. Use him as a decoy. Have him demand a quality defender. Have a look at something different. Give him just free. Stretch him. those, stretch those defenses. Just free him up a little bit from the you know having to quote unquote carry the team at, at stoppages where he'd been you know um, uncharacteristically quiet throughout periods of this this year, Timbo. Just give him a different role, which still keeps him dangerous. And I think today's win, with him not in the guts and all that sort of stuff, just sort of shows that there is absolutely no reason that the other complement of midfielders that we have can get the job done, even if it's only for brief periods. Then you get the opportunity to be able to just ask the question. And and, and exactly as you said, if you had a Charlie Curnow up and going and a Mitch McGovern up and going and let's say a Levi clunking marks in the forward line and Harry Mackay, well, maybe you don't need to experiment like that. But in the absence of, of just having Jack Silvani doing all the work up the field and then having to deputise in the ruck, you know, just share the load a little bit and and just challenge the opposition and make a make a defender just shit their pants a little bit. There's, there's so many... Um yeah, there's so many aspects of that that make you go, just have a look at it. We're not saying play him key forward 100% game time. Permanent, yeah. yeah. Just have a look at it. Just see how it affects the other team. See what it makes them think about doing. And if you need a guy to go in and win a stoppage, well, he just walks up to the next centre bounce. Like, Correct. You're just creating these mismatches and you're creating a bit of chaos in the opposition box. And like last week, without wanting to harp on it, there was an awesome opportunity for him to go to Tom Stewart. Yeah. Tom Stewart's having a great day. Make him accountable for a guy who's going to give him a really hard, you know, on the deck. 
you know, in the air, you know, holding his ground, etc. Give him something to do. Yeah, spot yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, MP yeah. got in touch with us. Um, I don't even know what just happened, but I'm bloody proud of our kids in particular today. Imagine when we get some more coaches who know how to coach. We might actually be something. I think that's the sentiment of a lot of people, is that, gee, Jesus, there's so much frustrating because, yes, we've got a lot of outs. Yes, there's a lot of kids who, who might have stagnated or be developing slower than we like. But there's more ability, there's more talent on that list than people are giving us credit for and that our coaching panel, Timbo, seems to want to give us credit for. Well and truly. It's, uh, we've said it for too long now that there just seemed to be an approach that we, the way that we go about it and it just doesn't change. And we lack dare and we've lacked imagination in team setup, in selection and all these sorts of things. And, and our last six weeks of footy have proven that it was wrong, wrong, wrong. And now we've freed up the game. We've created opportunity for some kids and we've got another three or four kids sitting in the queue in behind it that we just don't know what we've got. And we've just got to unleash them. You know? And we said last year when we played the shortened 17-game season we had five-day breaks and all that sort of stuff galore um, that we got tired because we didn't rotate enough blokes through the midfield. I, I really hope that they don't end up finding the same thing happening here, especially when you've got four, three or four blokes that are just queuing up to get a gig. Give them a go. Give them a go. Be adventurous. The season's been written off relative to what expectations were going to be anyway. If we can salvage something out of it and, and reorientate, uh, reorientate a few kids and point them in the right direction for a pre-season next year, just do it. I agree. Uh, Fabian, this is a good question from John S. Uh, comes to us via Twitter, of course. How many goals do you think the, think the following ins can add to our total average this year, obviously moving forward for next year. Paddy Cripps, Charlie Curnow, Mitch McGovern, David Cunningham, and a fully fit Zach Fisher just for a start. Three to five. I think three, I think three is really realistic. Mm, e- easily. And you're kind of going plus. You're going three is like a starting point, isn't it? If It could be if, like on any given weekend, it could be ten. Well, exactly. You would sit there and go, if you're talking averages, you, you, for all the players, you're at least going to go one, 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 half a goal. And if you go, we're four and a half goals better off in any given week, well, there's close games we're winning. And, well, I mean, how many times have we been beaten by more than four and a half goals anyway? Mm. And we haven't played that well. I agree. Mm. It's, we've never seen the, I like to call it the three-headed monster, up and running. Cerberus. And if that was up and running... Cerberus had three heads, yeah. I'll take your word for it. Or the Hydra or something like that. Well, Cerberus was the, 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 guard, the dog that guarded the underworld. I think it had three heads. Oh, there you go. I'll tell you. They're two idiots doing some Googling, not wanting to trust me. That's fine. I thought it was a boat, but anyway. The HMS was, Cerberus. Uh, the Hound of Hades was a multi-headed dog there that guarded the gates of the underworld. That's yeah, exactly what I said. Yeah, Straight do. off Wikipedia, Timber. <laughs> Keep continuing. I'm, I'm still looking for a picture. There's a picture of a vase. <laughs> the Cerberus was usually three-headed, though not always. Usually. What the fuck? I'll take that. <laughs> I'm willing to hack usually. Um, but obviously, back to you, Fab. Good news with regard to Kerno, obviously getting through today's scratch match, played 70-odd minutes and kicked a goal, and that's positive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just in general, you look at those ins, and it, it does make you go, ooh, ooh. We... A developing side is always going to be more reliant on its best players. Obviously, sides like Richmond 
when they have one or two outs, and the media harp on about, oh, Hugo, Ralph impact. Smith. You know, oh, Dusty's out now. For, oh, you know, that, that's going to have a massive impact. Yet Charlie can miss an entire season and what? It means nothing. We're more reliant on Charlie than Richmond are on Dusty because Richmond uh, collectively can win games of football without Dusty. We need everybody available at this point. So if we had our full complement of players, I honestly think we are a top four side. And there'd be people listening to this going, he's lost his fucking marbles. But, but mate, this is the money I, ball. This is the money ball I thing. honestly think at full strength. Yeah, this is money ball, Fab, where people lose, they don't understand the principle of money ball in that it's not always about dollars and cents, but it's like you put those five names into the team fully fit and that's an idealised paradise mm. but you put those names in and you go well yeah, how many goals better off are we are we four or five goals better off you're going for four or five goals better off you can do the numbers pretty quickly based on percentage yeah, yeah it's, go, it's, it's, it's one player in one one player out what's the net effect mm. and obviously the whole money ball you know uh, as put as baseball is well you're going to lose 25 home runs by trading player X. You're going to lose 80 RBIs and this yeah. and this and this. But but the answer was, well, you don't necessarily have to replace that guy with one bloke. No. You replace him with three blokes that still give you the same stats. It's just how do you play them and arrange them and all that sort of stuff. You, you, you're no worse off if you just save yourself $25 million. Well, mm. on a day-to-day basis, our salary cap isn't isn't uh, you know impacting the way that it is, but you're sitting there and you're going, our output is seriously enhanced by having those quality of players <laughs> who come into the side. Just a shout out. I, I wish I could remember on Twitter the guy that said, you're just sitting there and you're going, <laughs> apparently we say that a lot. And I was like, I know. <laughs> That's how we start a lot of sentences. He goes, you know, you sit there and you go, or you sit there and you like, we say that a lot, apparently. And it is true. He blamed you for it. And I, just, we go. I, I went along. I've got, I've got probably something. right. <laughs> so the voice of treason's got in touch with us. Plowman, trash, not the trash man. Look, Plow never plays well against Collingwood. He actually doesn't, does he? Like, he never <laughs> plays well. Like it's, but there's going to be times where Plow just doesn't have a decent matchup. True. And it just kind of looks lost. He did so, a couple of good intercepts today. He did a couple of very good kicks up the line. I thought his tackle on my check when we had a two-on-one was horrible because it was uh, horrendous. Yeah, it was, there was a lack of discipline that he just had to be able to just execute it, get it right, and keep the pressure on. Just don't give them the release valve, and then it didn't matter. But I think it was you know last quarter or whatever, and there was a shot on goal, and he's put yeah, the two it hands. The, it might have been at the end of half time. No, it was it, late it, in just the on half time, I think. Is that what it was? But then it was that end of the screen. Yeah, no, so. it was. It was late in the no, third. He, he stopped. He stopped the goal, but he, he stopped the, the goal. Left. But he should have. But he should have taken the mark because he was clear, and all he had to do was just kill it. Mm. And you just it's like anyway. Matty Cottrell when he punched the ball out of bounds instead of just marking it. Yeah, the, and you and I texted each other the same thing at the same time. Mark it, Cottrell. Yeah. Um, and then, yep. then lastly, John Connell uh, does the end result forgive three quarters. John Connor. John, John Connell. Connell. Oh, old mate Maurice. Does the end result forgive the three quarters of dog shit? That's, a, uh, that's an in-joke. Col- when, it, when it's Collingwood, uh, it does. But, yes yes but, and no. But, yes but, and no. But, but we're not a finished product. Um, but, you know, there's been plenty of times when we've played really, really well and not won, and you still try and walk away and go, it's an honourable loss. It's been a rarity where we have not played well but still gotten a result. So to that end, I think you've got to celebrate that for what it is. You know what the mantra is, Tim? 
It's all about the W. Love the result. Interrogate the performance. I like it. I like it. Um, Fabian, anything to add on that? No. Excellent. Uh, you want to do your friend to DJ wrap up? Friend to DJ wrap up. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit torn this week because I, I don't know if I want to really go with the. Are you going back over last week? That's what I'm asking him to do, yeah. Oh, I think a lot of people got it. So the um, the song that was played was uh, was Kiri or Kyrie from uh, Mister Mister um, last last week, and a few people basically got the um, the, the term Kyrie in Greek, and I'm obviously saying it wrong. Means like Lord have mercy. So it's uh, people picked up that. So in regards to. Our performance in general. So um, a lot of people got it. Banging track. It's always Banging important. Track. To, the, the, the track has to be a banger. But um, a bit torn this week if, if we even have an outro song with um, with the whole, with the passing of Surge and stuff. I don't really want to be too upbeat about it. So, um, yeah. What? I'm a bit stuck. I'm well, a bit stuck. Well, I'll take over then. I'll put the song. I've got a song. So I'll just... You're going to put Mr. Bruts on Yep. I'll just step in. I've got my own song. I'll put that no, in. No, no, look, look, I'm happy for you to take it. I'm, I've been trying to... I've been wrecking my brain for a couple of days to find something that's not overly morbid. But, what are you, you talking know, about? No one's going to make the link between the two. We had a lovely tribute to Surge off the top there. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying I, I want to have something... I was trying to theme the song around that, Sean. Well, I'm going to take the reins this week. I'm going to take the bull by the horns because you're being a you're, you're 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 I don't know what no. you're doing. You're, I don't know why you're divorcing yourself from your own segment after three weeks. It's like I'm not. No, I'm not. I can I could give you an '80s banger. I just think feel it's inappropriate to end with an '80s banger. What? Because what Serge was a fan of the podcast. Well, you, you never know. You've lost the plot. Anyway, that wraps us up for another week. Fantastic stuff. Um, Fab didn't give any shout outs to the people who got the song right. That's fine. And that's the whole point. There was, of the a, there was, there was a, a lot of them. There was a lot of them. I'm not going to shout out every single person. It's, it's not, people don't contribute for the shout out. I think it's, they it's, do. It's, it's I think that's exactly why they contribute. Oh, and that's why we recognize them. And that's why I'm going to take back control this week. Prenda DJ hashtag. Woo. And we will acknowledge <laughs> you on the next week's show like we promised we would. Like it, Sean. Excellent. So, for Tim Davis, thank you so much. Mate, it's always a pleasure. Very, very excited about uh, Tokyo Olympics and what the Australian swimming team might do. I think. When does it start? Be, uh, about five days, but I think it's going to be a good meet for Australia. And you know what's good about it, be... Timbo? You know what's amazing about it? What's that? The time zone. Yeah, well, but then you know what they've done? You know, they, they do the swimming events to suit the American prime time. So, they're going to swim heats at night and they're going to do finals in the morning. So it's going to be – we'll be able to I – mean, granted, finals started at like 11.30 a.m., so yeah, we'll still get to be able to watch it. But the athlete is competing in the morning, and they always sort of say you swim quicker at night. So they're actually watering down the quality of the event just to suit television in another, in another part of the world. And you're going, that's fucked because <laughs> the, product, the product is the athlete and they're the last people that they seem to be concerned by. This like, reminds me of a conversation I had with a certain someone who said that they swam very well in the morning, unlike I did. most. I was a very good morning swimmer. Timbo actually lobbied the IOC to move their <laughs> finals to 6am. My glory was always in the morning. <laughs> well, very nice there you go. You can actually use that if you want. That could well, be a segue. Yeah, I don't know about that. And uh, Faber Ganoush. 
What are you trying to? Oh, he's trying to me for a goodbye. Out of attention, I got see. Sorry, I'm 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 a little bit uh, a little bit off today. I apologise. Yeah, I don't know. You're vale, pretty, Sergio. Pretty consistent. Vale, Thanks everyone for and listening. Also, Forza Azzurri. I know you didn't want to acknowledge that there was a winner of this tournament, Sean. It was earlier when we were what talking England about England didn't do, and you know, we Gareth Southgate didn't do. And I gave credit else. to Mancini for being a good manager. Mancini, what is it? The guy from uh, Melrose Place, yep. Mancini. No. Mancini. Right, shut up. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. Go Blues. Go Blues.
my coat around my shoulders And I took a walk down through the park The leaves were falling around me The groaning city and the gathering dark and On some solitary rock A desperate lover left his mark He said, baby I've changed Please come back Head makes cloudy Heart makes very clear Knew the days were so much brighter The time when she was here But I know there's somebody somewhere Make these dark clouds disappear Until that day I have to believe I believe I believe 